How did the early church grow from a small, unknown group of Jews to a staggeringly influential force for good in the Roman Empire? They had no political power, rarely traveled outside their own nation, and had little to no money. How did the early Christian community spread? They bought the freedom of slaves. They cared for the poor and sick, and they gave their lives with joy and gladness for their Savior. In short, their lives were more attractive and compelling than anything anyone had ever seen. They went against the grain. They stood up for what they believed in. They loved like they meant it. They were countercultural. How could we be the same? Living, giving, and loving differently. Yeah, hi everyone, and good morning, and welcome to you. So glad to be here with you today, whether you're a first-time guest or a long-time member, uh, whether you're joining us in on the podcast today. As you see, we're in the middle of a series where we're looking at the different ways in which the gospel calls us to live to give and to love differently. And if you were here last week, you know we did something actually kind of different. We actually asked you, challenged you, challenged ourselves to see if we couldn't raise $15,000 in one time, one day for an organization outside the scope of our own local church. We asked the question, what if we could be known? more for our generosity than just our theology? What if we could give an impact an organization in such a way that it actually changed the course of that organization? And so we asked you to give on one time, one day, a total of $15,000. And the good news is you didn't just do that. You went over, which is amazing. And we got not just fifteen, but dollars uh, $18,000 on the dot, $18,000 for Breath of Life Ministries, which provides women with prenatal and postpartum care. And so Pastor Brett and I and Jamie went over there this week and we took the check to uh, Janine and this is what happened. Hey everyone, Pastor Brett here with Pastor Morgan and Jamie here to deliver the check of the money that we all raised together. Uh, so sacrificially and lovingly gave to Breath of Life Ministries. Going to go in here and surprise Janine. Hope you put a smile on her face. So let's go. And so we want to give this to you to go towards... Sarah's house and helping function and, and get all that going. and It's all coming together all at the same time, mm-hmm. which is how God does it. That's what's interesting. As you're telling me, all the other stuff is happening I see it around the place. Then I sit down. Yeah. And then I say, okay, God, don't tell me anymore, man, just today. Huh. I'm supposed to look at this, aren't I? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. like at least... Five months of operation. Wow. Fantastic. There you go. Right. You're welcome. It's our pleasure. Ooh. Our pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much. We ought to do more of what you're doing with ladies like Amber and, mm-hmm. and other ones out there that, apart from you guys, you know, they have no hope. And there's no choice. There's no chance. And if we can if we can just sow a little bit of little money into the kingdom and in the breath of life to help yeah. y'all give these girls a hope and a future. And Thank you. Yeah, that amazing one, that fun, and give give yourselves a hand, give God a hand. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. That was a lot of fun, and 
Uh, just again, in sort of the light and the spirit of what we're doing this month, I want to do something also a bit different this month. I Many of you know we frequently go through books of the Bible as we look at what God's Word has to say to us, and we did that in August in particular, and that we'll be doing that next month in December. But this month, we actually want to focus on just some shorter passages from a few of the epistles or letters in the New Testament to see how they can sort of aim us at being this kind of counter-cultural church. And so I'm going to do something a bit different this morning. This message is just going to be me the lead pastor, talking to our members and our long-time attenders. But if you're, if you're new here, you're not a Christian, uh, you actually couldn't have picked a better Sunday to be here. Couldn't have picked a better Sunday to be here. Because this morning we're just going to kind of open up, going to kind of open up and take a look at why we do, what we're doing, and where and what it's all for. And so the passage on which this very simple teaching is based is from the book of Philippians, chapter 1. We can get it up on the screen. We'll take a look at it. And get going. So here's Philippians 1, 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who were in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. That's God's word this morning. And for those of you who've been here, you may know that one of the real joys that Carrie and I have had over the last four or so, four and a half, five years, is being to be able to host a community group in our home. And here's a recent picture of one of our meetings. And of course, yes, it it gets a little messy, and things may or may not or may get broken on a regular basis. And it's true that someone actually dropped a two-liter bottle of soda and exploded and went and coated our, coated our ceiling and blinds, and all that's my wife laughing there. And we're still scraping soda off the paint in, in a lot of the rooms. So, you know, I love it because actually I get, it helps me meet a lot of new people, and I love meeting new people, love getting to know new people. But in a growing church like ours, it's becoming harder and harder, and so uh, I like to host a community group to kind of shrink the church for me. I also like to do a lot of the connection cards here. I do just about all of them. As a matter of fact, if I've ever done a connection card call for you, would you raise your hand? in here yeah a lot of hands in here yeah praise the lord uh you know it actually always surprises people when i do it at first i get the kind of someone from the church is calling me voice suspicion until they realize i guess it's the guy that talked to him on a sunday then they're like oh wow it's really you you called it's really great and of course it also gives me a chance to address a lot of the complaints that i get or that i hear uh one time one lady said you're from Christ Community Church? I said, yes, ma'am, I sure am. She said, you want me, the one with the coffee bar and the lights and the lobby? I said, yes. She said, I remember you. You were just okay. <laughs> 
I said, you know what? You're, you're right. I probably just was. I just was. And most of the time when I get a complaint, I'm like, you're right, man. I don't like that either. That really does stink. We should fix that. All right. Anyway, hosting a group gives me a chance to, you know, shriek the church and meet new people. But we had a new couple visit recently, and they were so great. And one week, the husband actually pulled me aside, and he said, Morgan, we love being here. We love what this church is all about, how it's ministering in the community and to our family. And he asked me, he said, Morgan, what can we do for the church and i sat yeah exactly and like you i sat in stunned silence at being the recipient of that question because while we again we love ministering to people we love meeting their needs most people just don't come to a church asking what can i what can we do for a church it's what can the church do for me and it's very rare and so this morning because i like that question so much i'm actually going to pretend that you actually want to hear the answer to that question. I'm going to pretend that you would like to know what you can do for the church. And so humor me, would you, this morning? I'd like for you to ask me to say, Morgan, what can I do? You ready? I'm so glad you asked. And the reason I'm glad you asked is because it's just important to know. Because if we do this right, if we do this right, what we do And how we do it really can bring joy to one another's hearts and really can change the world. And I know this because of what Paul wrote to us in Philippians chapter 1. He begins in verse 3. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy, my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. So this morning I want to hone in on and explore this one phrase today, the phrase participation in the gospel. Now the word participation, depending on your translation, is alternately translated as partnership in the gospel, fellowship in the gospel, and it means all those things because it's translated from the Greek word, famous word, koinonia, koinonia. Partnership, participation, fellowship, koinonia is the thing that we all do together and share together that brings about an even greater result than we ever thought. And Paul says here, now my heart as a pastor, my heart as a leader is thrilled, it's overwhelmed, it's full of joy when I see how you've participated, partnered with, fellowship, had koinonia in the gospel with me and with one another. He says, when I see what we are doing together, I can't help but be overjoyed. So let's ask now, what would it look like for you to partner with the gospel here in this church, since you asked? hmm? What would participation look like at a significant level? What could you do here to move this church forward? Again, glad you asked. want to lay out four ways you can participate with, partner with, have fellowship with, experience koinonia with me with one another with this church four ways this morning number one connect number two serve number three give number four invite and we'll look at each of these in turn and before i even get to number one i want to give you three reasons why i'm doing this in the first place first in any group in any organization any church there are just things that have to be done just have to be done to make sure it's the kind of church that actually we love, that we get something out of, and that we enjoy being a part of. So having a church like that, that's important. But it's not the most important reason I'm talking about this. Second, we want to continue to be the kind of church that people want to invite their friends to. And that's also important, but that's not the most important reason. The most important reason I'm talking about this today is because of this. 
It's because of the growing stewardship that this church has to other cities, excuse me, other churches in the city and to the body of Christ. Because when people hear our story, when they hear the story of this church, they hear the impossible odds that we have overcome to be where we are today. They want to know more. You know, 97% plus of churches that were in our shoes just five years ago don't make it. They turn off the lights, they shut the doors, they lock it up, and everybody goes home. But we didn't do that. Matter of fact, we're not just surviving, we're flourishing today. At one point, a number of years ago, due to a number of factors, this church had shrunk. Just a handful of people. No one was coming to Christ. We were just, you know, in the red financially every month. And now, though, by God's grace, in your partnership, this fall, we've pushed way past 600 people every week, scraping 700. People come to faith in Jesus almost every week, as you saw with the baptism here. Our financial picture's never been stronger. Matter of fact, I sat with a group of pastors this last, this last week at dinner, and one of them, after he heard our story, your story, he said, Morgan, how did your church do that? It's just rare. And so now we're getting actually asked to help other churches create the kind of environment, the kind of culture that we have here. Listen, we're not perfect. No way. Far from perfect. Mega room for improvement. Praise the Lord, which is the purpose of this message today. All right. But here's the point. This church is actually coming to have a growing stewardship in the city and in the body of Christ. And just your being here and participating in it is making that happen. You know, when you read the news today, you hear the news about the state of the church in the United States, all you hear is about the decline of the church and the transition away from Christianity. And in some ways that's true, but you know what? Statistics are always a funny thing. And you do hear about the decline of churches, but it's mainly certain large kinds and types of churches. Churches like ours don't even register on the radar. And many other churches like ours don't even register on the statistics. You see pictures of shuttered churches, abandoned buildings, it hurts your heart. But you know what? A story like ours is just never going to be reported or it goes the other way. And in some ways, you know, I hope it never does. But we do have a growing opportunity and stewardship to tell our story. And I believe, our elder team believes, deacons believe that God is going to use us to impact churches around the city, around the world. And we're already seeing the first fruits, first signs of that. And I know it may not feel like that. Some Sundays you just come and you think, man, that was a long day there. You know, I pulled the faders and the levers and the switches and played the guitar to serve coffee and nobody thanked me. Nobody thanked me. And you're kind of bitter in your car on the way home or maybe you're in children's ministry and, you know, some mom is mad at you, God forbid, because they didn't get their diaper bag back just perfectly. And you're thinking, okay, good grief, good Lord, you know, these rich people and their first world problems. Can't we all just get along? It's going to be okay, lady. But listen, I understand that. I understand. But just your being here, participating, is shaping the church world in ways you can't even grasp yet. So, Why are we talking about this this morning? Three reasons for you, for your friends, and for the world. All right, so let's ask now, what can you do, since you did, to partner with this church? Four things, four things. We're going to look at them in turn. First, number one, connect. All right, now specifically, I need you to connect in two ways. First, there are those of you who have been here, and you've been here, and you've been here. But you've never formally joined the church in membership. You may be saying, well, Morgan, that's because Jesus never talked a lot about church membership. He didn't. He actually didn't talk a lot about how to organize and run a church. He actually left that to his disciples and his apostles. And he put, through his Holy Spirit, a word in their hearts for us. And here's what Apostle Paul tells us. He says that God places in the body 
his children as he sees fit. And all church membership is, is helping you to recognize what God has already decided about and for your life. You think, you know what, I'm just, I'm super spiritual. When I don't join a church, I just want to pollinate and be here and, you know, like a butterfly in God's great cosmos and kingdom. No, you're not super spiritual. You're just super cultural because our culture is full of non-joiners today, non-committers. I mean, good Lord, many of us, we can't even commit to watching a TV show without a distraction. Some of you got like your TV, you know, like your, it's like a NASA space center set up. You got like your laptop there, you know, you're, 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 you're Facebooking people and you got your phone, you're texting and calling, you got an iPad open with an app running on it. You're like, oh, there's the show I was watching. Man, you can't even commit to watching a show. Why would you ever join a church, our culture thinks? No. See? God calls us. God calls us to be a part of a church. Listen, don't just come here for a, a show, take a few notes, and then ignore people in the parking lot on the way out. I know some of you do that. It's okay to make eye contact in the parking lot and wave. You were both in here together. All right. <laughs> Listen, the things you commit to the most, you grow the most from. All right. Second, I want you to connect in a community group. We don't just sit in rows here. We gather in circles throughout the week, meeting in smaller groups, loving one another, doing life together, supporting one another through the ups and downs of life is central to the message and the heartbeat of Christianity. Why? Well, because Christianity at its core is all about loving one another. And you and I, we can't get the depth of that on a Sunday morning alone. A local church, hear me, will always gravitate towards just putting people in rows. It's easier. It's easier. And when you hear us talk about numbers and things like that, you may, your heart may go there, oh, it's just about numbers. And listen, on one hand, I'm, we're not. No, I'll get to that. But on another hand, you know what I am. Because as long as there's one person in our city who doesn't know Jesus, listen, our church is not big enough yet. Not big enough yet, and we're going to aim it that way. But we're not just about numbers, not just about rows. No, we want you to gather in circles, which is Jesus' commandment, by the way. That we love one another. Look at this, John 13. This is how we fulfill this commandment. John 13 says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one one another. What's your point here, Jesus? I'm not getting it. You weren't clear enough. No. He said it three times. He said it three times. So in case you missed it the first two, you'd get it. The commandment is to love one another. How are you doing that? How are you obeying this? How can we one another, one another, connect in a community group? And here's why this is so important. I get asked all the time. I said, people ask me, Morgan, what if something happens to you? Hmm? What if, you know, what if, what if you're gone, you go down, what happens to you? I say, you know, a great question. Uh, well, let's just ask. Let's make it worse, right? Worst case scenario. What, ha- what happens if something happens to me? And it happens to all of our elder team and deacons and staff, huh? What happens if all of them go away and our building burns down? And it's even worse. We have no insurance, right? We can't cover the cost of repairing. What's going to happen? Well, Here's what's going to happen. 
it's going to, the church is going to go on because there are hundreds of people meeting throughout the city, throughout the week, supporting one another, loving one another, caring for one another's children, bringing meals, taking communion together, learning to replicate and multiply what they're a part of. The church of Jesus isn't about a facility. No, it's about loving him and following him, loving one another in countercultural ways. And perhaps there's no greater countercultural message than this, that your life is not all about you. Your life is about more than just you and your smartphone and your Netflix on the weekends. No, your life is about one another, connecting throughout the week, being a part of a community group. And so, to help make this a reality for you today, thank you very much, we have our group link after the service in the family room. And it's both scary and awesome at the same time. It's scary because you know you're going to go in there, you'll turn the corner, you'll see group leaders in there trying to help you connect. Your husband, though, he ditched you, he went out to get, get, get the car to help you pick up the kids faster, you know. He elbowed you in there, left you all to yourself. But it's going to be great. And people are going to love you and help make those connections for you. And we've got, I think we've got like about 12 new community groups launching at the beginning of the year all over town. You can find one of those too. So listen, that's number, that's number one. Connect. All right, connect. Number two, since you asked, serve. Serve. How do you participate in the gospel in this church? Number two, serve. Now, for those of you who are in the business world, you have your own company, you work in an organization, you know there are just certain things you do at a baseline key level, certain transactions that are so critical that if you get those right, you can get a bunch of other stuff wrong. But if you get those right, the mission, vision, values, sort of performance and impact of your company is going to continue. And for us here at the Christ Community Church, that is our teams, our service teams on a Sunday morning. Make a lot of other mistakes. But if we get these things right, if we get these things right, we're going to move forward. When people ask me, Morgan, what's the, you know, the secret sauce? to the church. You know, the, uh, the 11 herbs and spices that make you what you are. I always say this. It's the quality of the people you meet on our service teams. The secret sauce isn't a person's preaching, isn't our worship team, is hopefully great as all that is. It's the people on these teams. I have people all the time come up and tell me on a Sunday, Morgan, man, I loved the church today. I think, oh, great. It's because the message spoke to you. Lay it on me. Tell me what it was. They don't do that. They said, no. My children loved Promised Land. Loved Promised Land. I loved the vision of what you're doing in the community. You know, I loved the people at the door. The greeters were amazing here. I loved the chai tea. (laughs) Now, I know there wasn't chai tea today. I'm sorry about that. Don't be offended. We'll have it back for you. Next week, people, though, you hear me. They may come for one thing. They stick for the people. Maybe thinking, okay, serve, though. You know, Morgan, I don't want to have to babysit kids. First of all, if they're your kids, it's not babysitting, it's parenting. Thank you. All right, we clear that up. But second of all, we don't want you to do something that you're really no good at. Why? Why? Because you're no good at it, and it doesn't help us. Could you imagine if a child, from the time they were in grade school on up, got this message every week? God is boring, the Bible's boring, church is boring. Now, Come back next week, kids. We'll see you again. They get 6, 8, 10, 12 years of that. No wonder many of them don't want to go on and participate in a church after high school when they get to college, right? So that being said, even if it's not maybe the greatest thing you've ever done in your life in terms of your ability, listen, we can train you 
to excel at this. It actually would be weird if you were amazing at it at first. And if there were, honestly, an area that we need you to partner with us, it's in children's ministry and not because the ship is sinking. Matter of fact, because the ship is like growing every week. I think there's like a baby born here once a week around here. It seems like one last week. I know at least one, maybe two this coming week. Uh, On the weekend, we have around 200 to 220 kids. That's one child for every two adults. That's an unheard of ratio in the church world. And it is a challenge to care for. But let me tell you this. The old Methodist church I grew up in, those ladies who were there, those old-haired, white-haired ladies, they would give anything to be able to pray for, hold, put the seed of the gospel in one more child's heart. A few years ago when I went into full-time ministry and came to this local church, uh, after being out of town, the church called me to move back here. I went back to the church I grew up in. They had a special meeting that night. They asked me to come. I went down there at the end of the, at the, end of the church service, and all these old ladies... All these Sunday school teachers I had, they came up to the front spontaneously. They pushed me down at the altar. Well, Methodist Church, mind you. Laid their hands on me, and they all began to weep and pray over me. They said, oh, Morgan, I remember you when you were five. I remember teaching you. Matthew six thirty three. seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Oh, it's been such a privilege to pray for you. God, thank you for the privilege. They weren't even talking to me. God, thank you for the privilege of partnering in this child's life. Imagine if that were you. Imagine if that were you. We look up 5, 10, 15, 20 years. There's a harvest of people like that all over business, finance, politics, sent out in the world because you held and sacrificed for a child. See, listen, this church has never been. It will never be built on the gifts of only a few. It will always be and continue to be built on the sacrifice of many. Many of what you've tasted, when you've come in here, has been the service, it's been the love, it's been the legacy of people who've come before you and you've been welcomed and received into that. But if you don't in turn turn around and begin to sow that same kind of service and love, you immediately begin to dilute the effect of what captured your heart in the first place. You see, if you'll do that though, oh, you'll continue to keep this church, the kind of church you love and have loved from the beginning. See, make friends, get on a service team, sacrifice. It'll be great. It keeps this church the kind of church you want to be a part of. That's number two, serve. All right, number three, give. Give. Yeah, number three, give. Now, last week, we had a blast doing, I think it was a blast anyway, doing our annual Live Big Sunday. And in one day, we raised $18,000. That's amazing. And in one way, in one, that's all it took. It took one day. But in another way, from another perspective, it actually took us about five years to be able to raise that amount of money to give away on one day because that's about the amount of time that our current leadership team has been in place. It's taken us that long to grow and be stabilized, be financially able to give away that amount of money. You know, there's a lot you could do with $18,000 in a church this size. But the reason we were able to do that is because over the years, we've had hundreds of people and families who have faithfully given a percentage of their income, many of whom are at 10, 12, 15, 20% of what they make to enable this church to do what it does. These are the financial heroes of this church, and let me tell you why. Because these people have said, Morgan, 
I don't care if you don't do something magical with my money. My money's not just special money where it's only got to go to something that gives me goosebumps. I believe my money can just go towards paying bills and changing carpet and getting children's classrooms and salaries and support and all those kind of things. My money isn't special. I trust you, Morgan, and this leadership team to make good decisions. Now, I know most of you trust us, which is why about two months ago when we had our last financial meeting, only six people showed up. When things are going bad, everybody comes. When they're good, they stay away. And that's like probably a good sign. That being said, after the meeting, there was one of the, the people that were there, and they said, you know what, Morgan, this was so encouraging. I wish the whole church could have heard this. So I said, okay, fine. Well, all right, so next week, because you weren't able to come to the financial meeting, next week the financial meeting will come to you. And we're going to talk about where your church, uh, money goes and stuff, and show you all that kind of thing. It's going to be fun. But our financial heroes are those who have said, I'm just going to be a steady, faithful, consistent, prioritized percentage giver because I understand that's what it takes to make a church great. See, most people only want to give like we gave last week, and that was super fun. I mean, that was about as much fun as you could have had for $39.95, am I right? As a matter of fact, it was so fun. Some of you said, I'm not just going to stop at $39.95. Ooh, I'm going to blow past that $49.95, $59.95. Somebody stopped me, and you gave it, and you got out of the car, and you think, what did I just do? I can't eat for the next week, right? But it was fun. It was fun. And we love to give like that, but that's only what we'll call giving 1.0, giving 1.0. That's spontaneous, emotional, one-time giving. The plate goes around, someone comes to the door, a kid sells candy bars at the office, you put a 20 in, 50, 100, great, do that, all right? But giving 2.0 changes the world. Giving 2.0 is steady, consistent percentage giving to a church because that's what it takes to make a church great. Giving 1.0 is responsive giving. And we should do that. We will do that. Giving 2.0, though, is preventative giving. Because if we'll do that, we won't have to do as much responsive giving in the future. Giving 1.0 is like running that 5K charity once a year. Kind of hurt, but it felt good. It was fun. Giving 2.0 is like training year-round for the marathon. See, it's a little bit more difficult. More consistency is required, but everyone's healthier in the long run. And see, this church, though, and you should do both. Christians ought to do both. All right? So we're going to do both. But in case you think I'm just putting sort of a too fine a point on this, this financial piece, this is the reason Paul wrote the letter of Philippians in the first place when he says, oh, I thank my God with joy for you because of your participation in the gospel. He's thanking them specifically for their consistent, faithful, generous financial partnership. And that's why he called it that. Not one time, but consistent giving. The book of Philippians, in other words, is a thank you letter to the most generous church Paul ever knew. And it's beautiful. That's why that church gave him joy. That's done. number three, give. Finally, this morning, number four, invite invite. And here's why this one's so important, all right? If you were to ask me, Morgan, what is, what's the biggest concern you have for the church? Hmm? Here it is. My biggest concern for the church has always been what it's been since the day I got here and I found out this truth, that the pull of the church, the gravitational pull of a church is always inward. Gravitational pull of a church is always, remember, uh, inward, excuse me. The gravitational pull of a church is always towards taking care of people, taking care of members, pastoring as people. Because in a church, there are always people getting married, getting sick, and not necessarily in that order. Okay. 
There are always babies being born in this church. Again, it's all the time. There are always people, you know, kind of hurting or upset. We don't take care of people in this way or that way. And the pull of a church is always inward because the pull of every human heart is inward. It is, as Martin Luther said, in curvatus say. The human heart is turned inward on itself. And when you get a bunch of people in a room, guess what happens? That on a corporate level. It's always internal. But, but didn't Jesus, church, call us to be more than that? Doesn't he call us to aim our hearts beyond just our own needs and our own concerns into the community and into the future and into the world and aim ourselves that way, to lay our lives down for others, right? And so my greatest fear is that we get so strong, we get so solid, we get so stable that we, in the end, forget why we're here in the first place. And here's why we're here. Because Jesus is real. He is worthy of following. And he wants to use you to change the world. And we structure what we do here so that new people, I hope, can encounter that message and be touched. Not just so that lifelong Christians can get more interesting information to put in journals they're just going to put up on their shelves and never look at again. All right? And when you, though, when you invite someone new, you have a totally new take on what happens here. You see Sundays and the whole church through what through totally different eyes. And, you know, I hear it all the time. People ask, Morgan, why do we have to stop worship? Hmm? Well, you know, they're never going to stop in heaven. Why do we stop here? I said, well, those are angels up there. Huh? Just, you know, our band here, they're amazing, but yet we're not in heaven yet. Why can't we do, you know, six, eight, or ten songs? You know who doesn't want to hear six, eight, or ten songs? The unchurched person you brought. Sitting next to you, right? People say, Morgan, I want to be at a church where you can just, you know, drop your notes, hear from the Holy Spirit, and go 30 minutes longer. Listen, you really don't want me to do that. (laughs) Isn't it possible that God could speak on a Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday what he wants said on a Sunday? I think it's totally possible. God's outside of time, right? And you know who isn't praying we go 30 minutes longer? The people watching your kids right now. People watching your kids right now. All the promised land team members said, amen. You know who doesn't want it to go 30 minutes longer? That unchurched person you brought. And you, on this Sunday, you brought your unchurched friend. Listen, you're just hoping on that Sunday you bring someone that I don't just say something stupid or talk about money. Oh, wait, too late. All right. (laughs) You get it. You get it. When you invite someone who doesn't normally come or isn't part of a church, you remember why we do what we do in the first place. And if you'll just take a risk and invite someone, most of the time, they'll thank you. If most of the time, if you'll just say to your friends like, Philip said to Nathaniel, oh, I can't answer your questions. I don't know about that stuff, about your experience, about your thing in your past, but just come and see. Just come and see. If you'll come and see, something may happen. Who knows? God may change your friend's life. They'll be forever grateful. And all you have done is risk an eensy, teeny, tiny bit of rejection. So, I'm asking you to be bold in your invitation. Again, all you're risking is this. Church. Ah! (laughs) That's it. Other side of the world, it's imprisonment, torture, execution, death. See, we're not facing any of that. I don't care for the most hardened skeptic in our culture. So, all right. That's it. That's it. Connect, serve, give, and invite. All right, on the screen in front of me. Connect, serve, give, and invite. And for those of you, those of you who have been here and there's, you've been through some ups and downs in your life and there are seasons and to involvement, I get it. But you've taken, you know, a break 
And that break's turned into like five years of being on a break. Would you consider, please, re-participating, re-partnering, re-koinonia-ing this morning with us? Hmm? And second, for those of you who are here, and you've been here for a couple years, you've been here for a few years, and you don't do any of this. You never have, and the only reason you even stuck in here with the message is because you were in the middle of the aisle, and somebody on the in row kind of boxed you in, and you're hearing this, and you're going on. You're going, come on, Morgan, you know, connect. I'm not going to share my feelings. In a group, right? Or give, all oh, that's so Old Testament, you know, serve, Morgan, Sunday fun day. I mean, come on, man, right? Or invite, I mean, my needs aren't even being met. How am I going to invite someone to be here? Listen, if that's you, you've been here for years and years, you don't give, serve, connect, or invite. Please hear what I'm about to say to you in the best possible light. We can't afford you here, <laughs> We can't afford you here. We just can't. This isn't reverse psychology. This isn't some kind of like boomerang thing to get you to do what we're asking you to do. It's just the truth. And that laughter you heard, that's just the sound of all of our volunteers here saying, yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Because they're a part. They're participating. Listen, I'm not trying to run you off. I don't want you to leave. I, hear me, like I am begging you to stay. <laughs> Pastor begged in church. Yes, he did. Begging you to stay and partner with us. But here's the thing. If you weren't here, ask yourself, who would miss me? Hmm, Who would miss me? Am I enough of a blessing to others that my presence is felt and my absence is noticed? Listen, whatever I'm a part of, whatever I go, I want my presence to be felt and my absence to be noticed. And that's not human arrogance, church. That's just people obeying Jesus when he said, let your light shine before him that they may see your good works and glorify my Father in heaven. Did you hear what he said? He said, let whose light? Your light shine. Church, some of you have got a light to shine. You've got a light to shine. And you're not shining it yet. We're just asking you to do that in these four ways. You need to. Your friends need you to. Jesus needs you to. And so does the world. Now, please don't say, Morgan, this kind of hurt my feelings. This is kind of tough, but we're not going to go anywhere because you know my kids are plugged into children's ministry. Listen. Of course they're plugged into children's ministry. Promised Land's amazing because other people are doing what you ought to be doing in a lot of areas. Getting down, partnering with, serving, receiving people in such a way that the anchor of God goes so deep in them, the world can't shake it out of them. All right? So on one hand, I'm sorry. This is a bit tough. On the other hand, hear me. We are on a mission We're on a mission. We're on a mission to change this city, bring hope to people's lives. I hope bring solutions to problems that no one's ever been able to bring solutions for. We want to be a light for other churches, a light to the world, and show them that Jesus is real, he is worthy of following, and he wants to use you to change the world. That's what I signed up for. That's what I hope you sign up for. I know many of you have. So let's do that together. hmm? Partner in the gospel together. Because... Hasn't our Lord and Savior done all this for us? Hasn't he? Hasn't he done this? Hasn't he committed to us when we could commit nothing? Hasn't he served us when we could do nothing for him? Hasn't he given to us? See, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent. He gave his son. And hasn't he invited us in? 
Oh, he has. He has. And if we can just do these things, church, we can be a kind of countercultural church that gets it right. In the main ways, we've got to get it right. And if we'll do this, I promise you, I promise you, you'll be so proud to be a part of that kind of church. Amen. Let's pray as we close. And our band's going to come minister to us this morning as we close. Father, I just, we come thanking you for this. Thanking you for your somehow trusting us, partnering with us in your good news, in your gospel, committing to us first, serving us first, giving to us first, inviting us in. And Lord, I'm praying out of that heart, out of a gospel-centered, Christ-centered heart, that Lord, we would do these things and love one another. Lord, I'm, I feel like Paul this morning. Lord, I just, it's right for me to feel this way. There's joy in my heart when I view this church's participation in the gospel. Lord, I thank you for our story. I thank you for where you're taking us. Thank you for the light you've called us to be in the city and to the world. In Jesus' name.